Welcome along to episode 744 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show this week, Turi King lets us know about her talks on DNA taking place at the Gatehouse in Stafford and also Theatre 7 in Shrewsbury. We hear about the Panto at the Garrick, which is coming up this Christmas, and also about their youth scheme with Johnny McLean. On top of that, we'll be talking to Professor Green all about gas bills and the cost of living, and author Peter James lets us know what's going on with his latest book release. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Now, number one best-selling crime author Peter James is going. He's joining me now to talk a little bit about what it takes to make the ultimate fictional detective uh, from a very real-world one that he knows a lot more about. Peter, how are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Uh, all good here. Uh, now it's been probably twelve months since we last spoke, as I recall, and uh, we about some uh, amazing work it, uh, uh, that you've done then. Your books are always popular, but it, it, it's because, you know, you've got to have a, a believable uh, a protagonist when it comes down to the detectives in these novels. Yeah, I think people read books first and foremost to see what happens to characters that they engage with. Yeah, I think characters is actually much more important than, than plot. And, and I think, you know, I always, if I'm ever teaching creative writing, I always say the three most important things in this order are character, research, and plot. Because people read books to see what happens to people they engage with. And they don't have to be nice people. You can have great villains too, like Hannibal Lecter. And I think people also, people who read are intelligent. And the, the, the fact that reading means they're intelligent. And when we read, I think we don't just want a, a page turning story. We want to learn about something as well and improve, increase our knowledge. So that's why I think research is so important also in the book. And obviously plot is important, but that to me comes a long way third. Certainly my Roy Grace novels, I always focus first on the characters, trying to, I always try to portray Roy Grace and, and the police, but also try to portray the villains. And I try to portray the victims too. And have you sort of changed the way you write since the TV show? Has that made a, a difference to the way your characters kind of developed? It's a really good question. Um, Grace on television has in many ways been really helpful to my writing because if if you'd asked me in 2003 to do an identical, when I first created Roy Grace, to do an identical, it would have come up with someone who looked just like John Sim. <laughs> and... Ditto with, with Glenn Branson, his psychic. And what I find, well, every time I've started a Roy Grace novel, and even before the television series, I'd sit down and I'd talk to my characters in my head. I'd say, hi, Roy, how are you doing? Uh, hi, Glenn, how's your train crash of a love life? You know, hi, hi, hi Bella, hi, uh, Norman Potting, who have you upset this week? Um, <laughs> now, having, I've always, as a writer, I've always found it impossible to, for like, imagine characters out of thin air. I always take somebody I know and make them a character. So I might take you, but I might make you a brain surgeon or I might make you a cab driver. I just take the physical you. And now I've got the characters. I, I, I know how I, I've got, John Simmons, a lovely guy, and we've become mates. So you know, I know how he eats, how he laughs, how he moves his hands. And it really helps me. And it's the same with all the other key characters. I've sort of, got living models of them now 
and you know, through that and through uh, a, a good connection as well to the, uh, the the next story you're telling with your latest book. Uh, obviously, this helps when when reality uh, requires your attention to, to, to not only highlight things, but also to, to solve a good case, too. Absolutely. And yes, yeah, Stop Them Dead has, has, a fa- has been a fascinating journey because I've actually been working very closely with the RSPCA on how we can alert people to the, the perils of buying a, a, an illegally smuggled dog or an illegally bred dog or indeed a stolen dog. Uh, and the whole idea for the book came to me, I, I read an article in, in the local Brighton paper, the Argus, about a woman walking her Springer Spaniel in a park was mugged for the dog. And the value of this dog was £5,000. This was like two years into lockdown. And I thought, you know, if you're mugged, and you're unlucky enough to be mugged and you have a watch stolen or whatever, you can get that back on insurance. But a dog is something that is part of your heart and soul and life. And as, as a massive dog lover myself, I couldn't imagine how I'd feel if, if my dog was stolen like that. And that You've got the trauma of being mugged, which would obviously make you feel bad enough as it is, where even if you say you're losing material things, but when it's a member of the family as well. And it's, it, it is you know, good that dogs are valued to this sort of value, but actually the, their, their true value is more about them, their personalities and being part of your life. Absolutely. You can't, you can't really put a value on a dog. But this did happen during lockdown. Can I just give up just a note of comfort to everybody listening who is a dog lover as a dog lover myself i could never write any description of a dog being harmed i've written plenty of descriptions in stop them dead of of the villains being harmed (laughs) Um, but there's nothing that anybody who loves dogs will be upset about in terms of reading about the animals um but i discovered I, i had a meeting with the chief constable who was also a big dog lover um shortly after i'd read this piece and she said Dog crime has become epidemic throughout the UK. This was during lockdown, but it still continues. And to put some proportion on it, if you wanted a particular shade of colour of a breeding bitch, blue French bulldog, they're the ones that all the A-list celebs wants, you could pay £100,000 and you could pay £25,000 for one of the puppies. And it's through incredible values like that, that organized crime gangs throughout the UK are making more money out of dogs and drugs and with ridiculously low sentences. If they're they're caught with drugs, it's five to 15 years with a dog. Most they're going to get is a six-month custodial sentence. So obviously it's a a very different world, but one where it shows our our love of the uh, these animals as as pets and as part of the family and so that's something that will be explored in this latest novel uh, so that's going to be uh, uh, something that we, your fans will be coming to but when, when it comes down to the detectives I mean, how does it work out how do you create that perfect detective well I was very lucky in that um, back in 1981 I, I just had my first ever book published which was a not very good spy thriller <laughs> and we got burgled and a young detective came to take fingerprints and he saw the book and he said, oh, if you ever want research help with the police, give me a call. And he was married to a detective. His name is Mike Harris. And he was married to a detective called Bernardo, both at Brighton, Brighton Nick. And my then wife and I became friendly with them. And they invited us to a barbecue at their house one day. And they had a dozen of their friends, all cops. They had a homicide detective response traffic, neighborhood, policing, etc. And I thought, talking to these people, I thought, you know, 
from a writer's perspective, nobody sees more human life in a 30-year career than a police officer. And not only that, they see pretty much always the dark side of life. And that was the start of my fascination. And I got into, I, I then started putting these characters into my books, thinly disguised, and they liked the way I portrayed them. And I was writing psychological thrillers back then. And in, in the mid nineties, I was introduced to a young homicide detective in Brighton called Dave Gaylor. And he was a DI, a DI and we just clicked. And he helped me a lot in the book I was then writing. And he got promoted in 2002 to detective chief superintendent. And my publishers asked, had I ever thought of creating a detective as a central character? So I went to Dave Gaylor. I said, how would you like to be a fictional cop? And he loved it. <laughs> and we are best friends today. He, he actually works for me now. And he reads the books every 100, 150 pages, tells me how Roy Grace and the other police officers would really think and act. And through him, I've met numerous other detectives, not just in the UK, but around the world, who also helped me on the authenticity. The perfect detective, Detective uh, Superintendent Roy Grace, is back in his new book, Stop Them Dead. And uh, because the series returns uh, as well in the not too distant future. Uh, where do we go to get all of your work and, of course, uh, see your back catalogue? Any good bookstore should have them. Obviously, Amazon. Um, Stop Them Dead's out on the 28th of September. And then they filmed four new Grace episodes this this year which is great and i think they're going to start broadcasting at the end of january february and any i i do, I do also encourage people to support their local bookstores as well uh, but my books from the stop them dead whether it's in hardback kindle audible audible will all be available uh on the 28th well always a pleasure to speak to you peter jones thank you for joining us thank you so much Beauty and the Beast is at the Literal Garrick from the 24th of November right the way through until the 7th of January. I'm joined now by three of the stars here on stage at the Garrick. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Right, introductions, please. We'll start here. Uh, I'm Melad. I'll be playing the Prince and the Beast. Oh, so you're giving the game away there. That's spoilers. That is spoilers. Next. My name's Cad. And? And I'm playing Belle. You're going to see, you're, you're just, you're, you're, you do well, Belle. I don't Belle. want to give the game away. Okay, but yeah, he's already wrecked it. <laughs> and, and finally, we've, oh, we've got someone with a wand, I think. Um, I am Natalie, and I am playing the fairy. So, a good fairy. Oh, yes, That's always it. good, yes. I, now, is, is there a bad fairy in this one, or is, uh, is, there, is there evil of us? There's an enchantress. Oh. She's a little bit mean. So. Okay, but you're, you're nice. I'm going to be the good one, because yeah. you know the nice one. The tiara tells us that as well. I know, yeah. So, uh, it's obviously, it means Christmas is on the way. Yes. Are we excited? Mm. Very oh, absolutely. Yeah, and Panto is always good fun. Uh -huh. Yes. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and as Belle, you must have uh, a, a good time in this show. Obviously, she has a few troubled moments, but she does. it's probably going to work out okay in the end, isn't Hopefully. it? Hopefully. I mean, we'll oh, see. We'll see. I'll Don't try my best. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it, all you, you, it's it's all on you. Really. <laughs> You've got to play your part as well. I won't give you too much yeah, of a hard time. Thanks. Yeah, I'll <laughs> try. It, it, we'll see how it works out. But I mean, Panto, is this something that you've watched as a kid? Oh, yeah, all the time. I remember um, being taken up on stage to do mm -hmm. the song sheet when I was seven years old. And before you know it, you're on yep. this side of stage dragging children up <laughs> yeah, and making yeah. them sing songs yeah. they don't know. Yep. <laughs> what goes around comes around. It's only fair. Yep. Hopefully there's a goodie bag at the end of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Lots of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that made up for it. Yeah. And I mean, Panto, for you, I mean, is fairy something you've always wanted to be? Um... Yeah, the who, do, who doesn't want to well? have like magic powers? You yeah. know, mm. I'd love being the fairy. 
But do you forget when you're in Weatherspoons later on that you don't have magic powers? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I mean, the app sometimes makes it feel that way, doesn't it? But okay. So and, and as the beast, I mean, you, yeah, but the prince, and you, you get a juxtaposed position on some amazing roles. Oh yeah, so fun and an amazing costume, which yeah. I cannot wait for. This is the bit you're looking forward to. Oh yeah. We weren't told him anything about that just well, yet. Well, that, that, that again will be the surprise. Yeah, yeah. Keep that under wraps. But with yeah, such a powerful part in a show, you've got to woo the wonderful Belle too. I know it's going to be a hard job, but yeah. do you know what? I think I think I can do it. You reckon you got? Can I you do it? Pardon? Yeah, can you do it? Do you reckon he's going to be able? Oh, I'll make Maybe not like this. It, yeah. Maybe with the costume. <laughs> yeah, with the with, with the. With the, with the when you dress like this yeah. normally, this isn't a costume. I wish I could. No, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could, you know. Right, this, I, I, looking good. I mean, it's, it's going to be an amazing show, isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you, and we, I'm going to meet up with some of your other co-stars in a bit, but you've got some nutters to work with, haven't oh, you? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They're crazy. And, Dynamic uh, duo. Yeah, with, with Sam and Ben working together, that's going to be interesting. Are, are you guys going to try and prank them a bit, though? Because they're going to be playing each other up, no end. Always. Can we do some behind-the-scenes pranking? Is, is that going to happen? We can try, yeah, but we'll I think do our they, best. they might make us corpse a bit too much. They that's might the pro- get, They might get their own back that. on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're going to be trouble anyway, you know that, don't you? Of course, yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be prepared for that. We're ready. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, three, three versus two, I think we'll be fine. True. Yeah. Numbers game. You're going to work on that. And yeah. this actually yeah. honestly works. Does I it? Can, yeah. Okay. Really can use it. I, I, we can't test it now because it only no, no, works no, no. from the 24th yeah, yeah. of November through to the 7th of January, oh, doesn't yes. it? Well they're, 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 there's always a time limit on a wand. <laughs> That's the way they work. But it, it's going to be good fun. Um, are you guys dragging any of your family and friends along as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're, oh, they're, for sure. I've yeah, got friends who are going to want to come down from London, 100%. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you guys are in, are in stuff all over the place, aren't you? And the fact you're going to, we, we are lucky enough to have you spending so many weeks in Lichford over Christmas is a treat for everyone. Aww. So it's going to be good. And what are you looking forward to most about Panther? You've mentioned your costume. Is uh, that going to be it? Yeah, 100%. Not, not, okay, well, see, I, I, you know what it is? Go it's on. seeing my mum see me in that costume. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the best part. Okay, that will be magical. Oh, I love the audience's interaction and like their responses to it. I always love seeing it. And it, it changes day to day as well, which mm. is the yeah. best it's part different, as well. Uh, Panto yeah. is never the same show no, twice. No, never, ever. No? Absolutely so, That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, probably the run up to Christmas, because it gets even more exciting every day and seeing all the kids get You're looking excited. forward to the secret Santa with the rest of the cast, aren't oh, you? Yeah. That's what it is. You're basically yeah. looking for gifts. Yeah, so sure. that will though happen. <laughs> it is all going to be taking place down at the Litchfield Garrick, litchfieldgarrick.com to get your tickets. 01543 is the box office number. See these and the rest of the mad, mad fun people in the show. Have a brilliant time over Christmas. Break a leg, and we look forward to seeing you on stage in Beauty and the Beast. Bye. Thank Thanks. You. <laughs> It's pretty much guaranteed that chaos will ensue because Beauty and the Beast is at the Litchfield Garrick from the 24th of November through until the 7th of January. I've got to contend with these for the next four minutes. So four let's minutes? Four minutes? Maybe five. We'll get everything in. We'll, okay, we'll get a seven. Okay. okay oh, fine. fine. Right, so now, obviously, we have cast here. We have Ben Thornton. Yes, the, hey! The returning Ben Thornton. He's come back, but his hair hasn't. Um, straight in, Jason. I've got to try and get the hat right now. I'm just trying to be like, I'm just trying to be like you, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, At least I've got the guts to shave it. You're really holding well, on. Well, no, I've got the little furry bit at the back. I quite enjoy playing with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, also here we have Sam Raven. Thank you. Hello. Okay. okay. You're just looking down the camera. You're, the the, you're doing the camera. Okay. You're, there we go. There you go. You feel well, better for that? Do now. Yep, well yeah. Okay, well, and, and, and I, I spy evil in our midst as well. Ooh. We've not met before, but no. don't be too intimidated by me. Uh, my name's Sarah Anakin, okay. playing the Enchantress. Well, there we go. But she's lovely, really. She, she's nice, she's nice. Yeah. But exactly. she's going to hide that well on stage. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I heard her evil laugh earlier. It's she's good. got that down. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Can you just do it yeah, randomly? Can you, yeah. Give us an example. Yeah. Okay, don't, 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 don
That's worth the ticket money. That is amazing, isn't that? That added something to my left ear. I don't know what it was. I know that was me. Oh, God. Just bring the ear defenders next time. I will know for next time. Okay, so we know we have an enchantress. Yes. Sam, who are you this year? I am Dame. Is it written on the back of your hand or something? I'm Madam Flop. Madam Flop? Yeah, Madam Flop. Okay. And you, you seem to be well kitted out with some tools. Yes, and so, some... Uh, Beauty and the Beast, mm -hmm. I am an inventor. I'm Belle's mother, not father, as contrary to popular belief, but I, I'm an inventor. I invent things. Okay. Don't ask me what I've invented because I've not read the script yet. Okay, that, that, that will come. But it means you, you're you know, yeah, splendid in engineering glitter. type stuff. Um, pliers place wonderfully. What's this? Set square. That's a set square. Set square. What else have you got in there? And I've got a tape measure. And? And, oh, and my <laughs> mobile phone, which I invented. Oh, oh. <laughs> and this one. My magnifying glass. That's good, isn't it? Thank you. Uh, is you it? need the, this needs need the, uh, the magnifying glass for the phone. Eyesight's <laughs> going. Mm, <laughs> too, too much eye makeup. It can affect you like that. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, how do you work out on all this, Ben? We've brought you back for a reason, I'm going to guess. I am... Um, <laughs> My son, Sam's son. No, you have to think about that for yeah, well a while. Well, I did as well. because well, one year we one year we weren't, were we? And then and then it well, all we, went we, strange. Latin, we were. Dequitington, you were. Uh, so we were no sleeping oh, beauty. Sleeping beauty, you weren't. But no, we, I it think confused me. Um, but yes, we are family, and I am Philippe. Philippe. Oh, yes. I wonder what my surname could be. Uh, is there another? Don't flop? think about it too a flop much. In there is there? <laughs> Philippe. Maybe. Like yeah, that. Yeah, that is yeah. sweet, isn't it? Like, that's proper Christmas humour, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a better level that Sam understands as well, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just making sure the cameras have got the angles. I, I know everything on you. Yeah. Oh, I'm on this side too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. You do this to make it harder for me to edit yep. as well, don't you? <laughs> I love him to this, though. He's absolutely amazing. So it's going to be a good family fun Christmassy panto. Well, I hope so. It's I the only so. reason we're here. Yeah. Like we got, we've got, I mean, we had to sit down for this fact earlier. We've got 80 shows this year. 80? 80. 80. 80. 80. Did you know he's going no. No, you need to grab something that you shouldn't. <laughs> Eighty shows this year, three on a Saturday. We've got school shows, more school shows than ever before. So we are going to be worked to the bone. Is that a catchphrase? Can I use that one? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I keep getting catch catchphrases wrong catch today. Wrong. Uh, but we've got eighty shows. Have you worked at how many three show days? I think we've only got two. I'm looking at two. I think there's not too three, many. No, but three, 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 they're me three, three over there. Three, three show days. So my advice always is to come to one of the three show days on the last show because you'll look at us and you'll see fear in our eyes as we come on and don't realise whether we've already done this scene or not. And we like, <laughs> and we don't, and they just look at my costume and go, ah, we know where we are now. Yeah, the, the frocks give the game away. For me, yes. Ben will wear the same thing all the way through, so he confuses him. He doesn't know. It's very difficult easy. for me because I normally only ever enter and exit on stage left, mm. and so who knows which scene it is? So true. But are you going to make sure you are actually horrible to them? Is I, that because the, these two deserve it? No, oh, I haven't quite decided yet how horrible I'm going to be or how mean I can really be. I mean, I have had children crying in the past. Mm. It's, it happens, but you know, maybe I could go down the more quirky, funny routes if you if you prefer. You feed off the audience, you find yeah, out, won't yeah, you? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what how Litchfield takes it. I guess. I, I, I mean, the the sparkly eyebrows. He's getting very close, well, isn't he? A bit disco-y today. A bit disco-y as well, which is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what songs I'll be singing yet, so who knows? Well, hopefully I won't be singing any songs. Oh, you got, don't want Sam's here. a lovely voice, Sam. A lovely voice that only my mother would love. Yeah. The voice of a lark. A pillar. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, very hey, good. Hey, thanks. And he says he hasn't read the script. So yeah. she has said she hasn't read the script. <laughs> I, I have terrible trouble with gender at this moment. In time. There we go. Everybody does. Yeah. Mm. So, a um, fun panto, a fun Christmas, and... You two guys have got to do comedy again. Have we? Yeah. Oh, are you uh, sure? We're going to give it a go. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you prepared for this? <laughs> no, 
know, I have well, to say, look, this is exciting because the last time Ben was here, we did slosh. Yeah. We haven't done slosh since Ben left. So when Ben was coming back... Does ben, ben bring the slosh? Ben <laughs> mixes it at home. It's all in my boot and the car <laughs> when I drive in and I get yeah. her and it's everywhere. Makes corner in hell. Exactly. So, exactly. slosh, slosh, slosh. He's back. He's back. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. It's going to be messy. It's going to be... It's going to be... Yeah, the mess. This inter- just like this interview is going to be very messy. So, no, no, it's it's going to be amazing. What are you most looking forward to about being back? Well, it, there's a great buzz about the place. Um, I'm delighted to be back, by the way. I've really missed it here. Um, I love Litchfield audiences. I love the city. It's a lovely place to be at Christmas. Um, and we've got a really good show planned. It's going to be very funny, as that I was say. was way too serious. I thought you'd say okay. something good. <laughs> Sam, could you come up with something better? Um, no, this year it's exciting. This building is now exciting. We've got a new artistic director. The show's got a new director. Uh, we've got Daniel Buckroyd arrived in, and he is making this building feel so happy, so lively, and it's full of energy. So I cannot wait to start. And me and him are going to be working together very differently to how I've done Pantos here before. So it's exciting. It's a new start. It's fresh and Beauty and the Beast. It's a different Panto to what we've done. It's very musical. So with Daniel's musical expertise and mine and Ben's lack of, this is going to be... <laughs> It's, it's, it's going to be a awesome. ride. Yeah, it's going to be a ride. And, uh, that was very serious. He doesn't get told off. No, but he had to try and follow you somehow. Um, <laughs> Did fun with him. Can, can you do some comedy for us about what it's like being <laughs> in Litchfield for the first time? Because we yeah. may struggle here. Um, well, I'm, I'm very excited to be as evil as possible oh. in, uh, in Litchfield. And um, uh, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Answer seriously. Uh, yeah. I, I can bring my own standard routine if these two fail. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I think I, I might get sacked if I'm too funny. Well, you've got feathers, though. I mean, you've got feathers. So that's, <laughs> that's funnier than a feather, isn't it? No. no. It's amazing. Have I got a feather in my cap? You have? There, there you go. Is. I've got a feather, isn't it? Yeah. This was your Robin Hood outfit last year, no? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where does he keep his arrows? In a quiver. No. In a quiver. No, but you have to say quiver so then I can quiver. You can't say in a quiver. It doesn't work. Well, I was quivering. This is, this is why I've been away. Hang on, do it. Where okay. does Robin Hood keep he his... He has to wait for the clap to finish. Where does Robin Hood keep his arrows? In a quiver. No, just quiver. What <laughs> do you say? What? <laughs> Fortunately, I have a script at Christmas. No, you can come you, along and see them. Say, at can the, we just establish... No, I'm not doing a web address now. Can we just establish? He goes, I say in a quiver, and he goes, where oh, does Robin like, Hood keep in a quiver? You imbecile. I just think, I just know it's like quiver. Like, do it and again. Then I'll no, again. do it again now. Look, this is good. Where does Robin Hood keep his arrows? In a quiver. Where does Robin Hood keep his arrows? Well, the four people in our audience today loved it, which is what counts. Can I do the web address now? Yeah, go on, yeah, yeah, on get your tickets. It is the 24th of November through to the 7th of January. 01543 412121 is that box office number you will need to come and see these. And the rest of the gang, what were you doing then? Nothing. You were being naughty, weren't you? Nothing. I'm going to shave your head next time. <laughs> <you>? <laughs> okay. As long as you do better than yours, we'll be okay. You missed the bottom bit. Uh, so come along and see them in Beauty and the Beast at the Garrick. It'll be almost as mental as this. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> The world of genealogy has been rocked by the magic of DNA over the last couple of decades. Somebody who knows a thing or two about genetics is Professor Turi King, who joins me now. Hello. Hello. Now, uh, when it comes down to your, some of your work, I mean, we know you from the BBC Two series, DNA, Family Secrets. Um, yeah, these days, understanding your family line from DNA is open to many more people than it ever has been before. Oh, it's absolutely huge. So when I started in this field about 
gosh, over 20 years ago when I was <laughs> doing my PhD, um, people could just really look at their surname and whether or not they were related to people with to other people with the same surname, but it had to be guys because we were looking at a piece of DNA known as the Y chromosome. Now, with direct-to-consumer DNA testing company, there's there's something like nearly 40 million people on these databases. Wow. It's absolutely huge. So, yeah, you could do all sorts of stuff. You can find out about your ancestry. You can find long-lost family members. People are using it to solve cold cases. Yeah, it's absolutely huge now. And this is something we can find out about ourselves for ourselves. You don't have to have a, a committed a crime to have your DNA taken these days. That's <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> so these days, I mean, people get them for Christmas presents and birthday presents. And there can be a bit of an irony in that because sometimes, I mean, I've had people who've contacted me and said, um, me and my brothers and sisters, we all did DNA tests for my birthday and I'm not related to them completely. They might find out that they're a half sibling or whatever. So yeah, it's absolutely huge. And obviously the other thing I'm kind of really well known for is the Richard III project. So having led the genetic analysis on the mm -hmm. King Richard III project. So I get a lot of people who contact me saying, can you help me? I think I might be related to royalty or this kind of thing. So I get, I get, I get hundreds and hundreds of emails every month from people wanting help with their, their genealogy and their DNA testing. Yeah, now you're taking family history on tour as well. And locally, uh, you're up in Stafford uh, coming up in October on the 2nd. And then a little later on in the month, you'll be over in Shrewsbury on the 11th at Seven Theatre. And uh, it's, it's opportunities to get firsthand a, a bit of a talking through of the way some of this works. But I mean, how, 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 do you, how do you work this with the audience? Because the audience does not turn up, do a day and night test and find out who's related in the auditorium. That isn't <laughs> what we're looking at here, is it? No. <laughs> Um, it takes a little bit longer than that. So <laughs> so basically what happened was I started my career um, under Sir Alec Jeffries, the chap who invented DNA fingerprinting. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be talking to people about how how we tell people apart using their DNA and how that was first started to be used for actually immigration cases, so family cases, and then for forensics, and then it started getting used for genetic genealogy, so people being able to connect family trees together. And then, obviously, I'm going to do a whistle talk, but kind of gossipy tour through the Richard III project mm -hmm. um, and what went on there. And then into DNA Family Secrets and what we can do these days with their DNA. Tips and tricks if they're trying to build their DNA, their family trees and how they want to use DNA, if they want to find out something about their ancestry or find a long-lost family member. And then actually back into forensics, because these days we're using exactly the techniques that we use on DNA Family Secrets to go through cold cases and find criminals decades after they've, they've committed the crime. And it's amazing where you do leave your DNA and where it can come from. Uh, there's a, 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 a Shedding hair is a, is a bit of a thing, isn't it? It is. So in this country, it's illegal to do surreptitious DNA collecting. In the US, it's not. So yes, yeah, so you hear these stories about people picking up coffee cups and kitchen utensils and this kind of thing, and you can get DNA off of that. But mainly this talk is going to be about family history and how you can use DNA to tell you about yourself and your ancestry and who you're related to. And so when you're doing this, obviously you do this with caution. You've already talked about tales of people finding out things that they didn't necessarily want to know. But it, it is something you've got to be serious about before you start doing it, because this can open up an interesting can of worms or two. 
it it really can and so that so when we do dna family secrets that's something that we talk everybody through because sometimes you can find out things that you weren't quite expecting so we had a really lovely case for example um well we had richard who was in series one who took a dna test found out that his sister was not his full sister it was a half sister and then he was later contacted on facebook by somebody who said you know i used to know your mom back in the day and i might be your father and and i have a son and when richard met this chap's son brendan oh my goodness they looked so so similar all of us were on the on the production team and they everybody was like they must be related and then when we did the dna they weren't but what we were able to do was then trace the family who he was descended from it would have been one of five brothers and when we had tried to contact them through the course of dna family secrets they thought it was a hoax Mm -hmm. but when the television series went out um it was really lovely because the wife of of one of the people we were trying to get a hold of was was shaking her husband going i think this is talking about your family on tv and they very kindly contacted the the production team took a dna test and we were able to find richard's dad for him so yeah it's you can get some pretty interesting stuff that comes up so it's just preparing people for you may find nothing or you may find stuff you already knew but you may also find stuff that you really were not expecting so just be ready for that yeah and so, so you may but it's, it's always nice to know where you came from but it's something you maybe didn't want to hear about in the first place <laughs> or for people who've grown up all their lives knowing so for example we had matthew who's lovely in series two who've been grown up he's adopted grown up all his life being told you know he knows his mom's english that his dad is from jamaica and when did the dna testing i was like your dad is not from jamaica mm-hmm. he's from the seychelles and after the so just before the program went out um somebody popped up on the database who turned out to be a half brother and he also didn't know who his dad was so we've got these two men who don't know who their father is but they know their father must be from the seychelles when the program went out somebody watched it and went you know he looks they look just like my cousin cousin passed away but his sister took a dna test and from that we were able to say who the father was so it can be answering really quite deep long-held questions about who somebody is i mm-hmm. think so yeah i feel really privileged to be part of that absolutely so it, it is it is life-changing in so many positive ways isn't it and, mm. and just to, to have that peace of mind of knowing who you are it's, yeah. it's it, in this energy you would hope it wouldn't matter but it does to so many people oh it does and i think particularly if you're adopted um, or you've grown up and you you've not known who your biological father is to have some answers is really really important and, I, and we always have to to kind of caution people because sometimes we might find out who somebody's biological father is but they've passed away or they 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 they're not ready to say they they, they didn't know about it they're not ready they they and we have to tell the people who were doing this with look it's not about you they don't know you it's they can't handle the situation right now but give it mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and then other times we do it and and we find people's biological parents and oh my goodness they are enveloped into the family and and people are delighted to hear about them i've had so many cases like that and it's so incredibly heartwarming as they they start to sort of negotiate this relationship with this new family and it's amazing it can be just like the most wonderful thing ever 
bringing families that never knew they had families together sounds like an absolutely awesome job. And yeah. there's so much more you'd be able to tell us behind the scenes. And I'm sure you'll be talking a bit about uh, your work with uh, Sir David Attenborough as well during yes. the, the show, won't you? <laughs> he did. So he was lovely. So he took part in my my sur- my PhD project. <laughs> so what I was looking at was people with the same surname. Are they all related to one another? Mm-hmm. And I could look at, at a piece of DNA known as the Y chromosome. David was my poster boy, bless him. Because if you look at Attenboroughs around the country, two different spelling variants, these people don't know they're related to one another. 90% of them were related wow. to each other. And they must go back to an original Mr. Attenborough who lived several hundred years ago. So that's allowed people to start building the family tree. Some people you can't connect them yet, but they are related to each other and they're related to David. Well, it's uh, amazing what can be done. We can see your show at the Stafford Gatehouse. That's currently be found at uh, staffordgatehouse.co.uk or give the box office a call on 01785 619080. And then, of course, if you missed that, on the 11th of September, you've got Shrewsbury. Uh, that's Theatre 7. Uh, you can find them on 01743 281281. Theatre7.co.uk is uh, the, uh, the website for them. And as I say, that's coming up in Stafford on the 2nd of October and the 11th in Shrewsbury. And uh, it, it's a sort of a talk which could inspire you to go out and find out more about you and your family. And I think it, it's even if it, it's not something you're thinking about, the science here is amazingly interesting, isn't it? Oh, I absolutely love it. And yes, I'll be doing a gossipy bit about Richard III. It's actually 11 years today that we started uncovering his remains in that car park in Leicester. (laughs) And who would have thought where that was going to go when that all started to happen? It's amazing, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely amazing. One of the best things I've ever worked on. Well, the 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 voice and the and the magic behind the show that is family history. DNA detective Professor Turi King have a brilliant time out on the road. We don't have to say break a leg, and in your case, because it's not a musical theatre show. Uh, but uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. of adults are struggling with their mental health because of the cost of living crisis, rising to 70% of 18 through 24-year-olds. Obviously, concerns surrounding the help that may be needed here with the hidden impacts of the cost of living crisis. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Professor Green, musician and mental health advocate, and Jessica Taplin of British Gas, the Energy Trust Chief Executive. Good afternoon to you both. Afternoon. Afternoon. So, first of all, I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's called Professor or uh, Mr. Green. Stephen. Stephen, okay. Stephen, so my nan calls me. Well, she calls me other stuff as well, but we won't get into that. (laughs) So, Stephen, uh, tell us uh, a bit about the research to begin with. Um, The research is quite staggering, isn't it? As you said, you know, there are 27% of all adults in Britain that are struggling with their mental health because of the cost of living crisis rising to 70% of 80 to 24-year-olds, 52% of 25 to 34-year-olds. That's a lot of people worrying about how they're going to afford to live and this isn't about affording the luxuries and the nicer things that make life tolerable this is about the very bare minimum and basics that many people who would have otherwise taken for granted are now finding actually for the first time that they're struggling to afford i mean you you think about the the effect of looking at your your outgoings as stripped back as they could possibly be and realizing that you're still in negative you know, the stress that comes with that, the impact of worrying about how you're going to afford the bare minimum to support your household. And this isn't happening in households where people are not working or not only where people are not working. This is also occurring in households where there's dual incomes, where people have otherwise been able to support their household. 
And so that is obviously a major concern. In, in the, yeah, we're going back here 40, 50 years. One income was required to run a household. We're in a position now whereby two, and, and, and sometimes even the kids contributing as well as they get older, yeah. are, are still struggling to be able to cover all the bills. Now, we, we've, we've seen that with the, the, the rising cost of energy. We've got a rising cost of food as well, even though food is still a lower part of our incomes uh, than it ever has been before. But equally, people find themselves in under a lot of pressure. And, and when it comes to heading towards uh, the, the winter months, obviously, we've got concerns there. Uh, and, and Jessica, it's going to be uh, uh, difficult for some people to be able to afford to switch on the heating this year. I think it's going to be very challenging for a lot of families this winter, which is why we want people to start now thinking about the help they might need to look at their incomes and their outgoings. And this is why uh, we're again running the British Gas Post Office pop-ups. This is the third year we've been running them. And um, it's all about having that money and energy advice in the heart of the local community so people can go and seek help. And also based upon research, this, these pop-ups happening in the communities which are known to us to be the most in need at this moment in time. Yeah, and, and it's, it's identifying that need, which is part of the issue here. And, and Because very often people won't talk about their problems, not only to their friends or family, but mm. don't want to approach for help. Of course not, because there's a level of shame that comes with poverty. I grew up in a low-income household. These are things that, you know, there was no talk of a, an energy uh, cost of energy crisis, cost of living crisis, any kind of crisis when I was growing up. Was, we didn't attribute anything to anything per se. It was just that we were poor, but things were very similar then. This is, it seems like a new problem, but these are things that have been going on for, you know, when I was a kid, my first memories are probably back to when I was three or four years old and I saw stress in my household. You know, my nan struggling to pay bills, you know, putting money on the electric or the gas. What do we do? Forever living in the emergency. These are problems that have gone on for a long, long time, but they're highlighted at the moment because things are so, so severe. Yeah, and, and you know, your youth was in the 80s. I was born in the 70s. And if you go back to uh, maybe our parents' and grandparents' times, actually some of the things that people are going through now may have been there, but we should be a better society, a more caring society, and one that's, that's able to, to, to look after each other better these days. Definitely. But if people are scared to talk up, then it's very difficult to do so. That's why I think the British Gas post office pop-ups is such a great thing because post offices exist in the heart of a community. And because the British Gas Energy Trust are working with charities that already exist in these communities that understand the specific needs of their communities and already have relationships with people, there's mu it's much more likely that they'll be willing to talk, especially with the privacy afforded to them by the spaces they're given to talk to money, money and energy advisors at the British Gas post office pop-ups. So Jessica, how does it work? What do people do? So they need to have a look online to find out where their closest post office pop-up is to them. They can go down on one of the days and there will be a money and energy advisor there who will come from one of the charities Stephen's just been talking about and they will listen to whoever comes in, listen to their issues, treat them very much as a person. Everyone is different. Everyone's circumstances are very different. They'll look at things like income maximisations, benefit support. They can potentially do advocacy. You, they'll help you apply for energy debt grants if it's needed. But it is about putting that individual and that household first listening to them and then helping work out a way forward yeah very much looking at the whole picture looking at you as an entire person and not just looking at any one aspect of your life and hoping that you bring in together some of those aspects to to make life just that bit easier and maybe re re either with some help or being able to get a grant or some uh, some other financial assistance that they hadn't realized was available or to be better able to, to use the energy that they have 
that's absolutely right and we would encourage people um, within uh, Wolverhampton to really have a look at uh, debt write-off grants so they can go onto our website uh, you can um, if you're a prepayment meter customer at the moment it doesn't matter if you're with British Gas or not you are able to apply potentially for a debt write-off grant to help you this winter exactly so some opportunities there give us all the web details so we know where to go to to, to try and get this help and to find the pop-ups near us Hop online to the British Gas Energy Trust website and you'll be able to find all the relevant information to find your closest pop-up there. So search for the British Gas, Gas Energy Trust and uh, find out where you can get help and where that difference can be made. And it could be the difference between putting food on the table and keeping warm this winter and being able to keep going all the parts of your life, everything through from hygiene, poverty and all the other issues that hit people under these circumstances to make for a better life. And of course, that helps mental health. And we certainly want to be able to make sure that everybody is in the best position possible. Obviously, there are other agencies you can talk to, too, about your mental health and always approach your doctor as well if you do need to be able to talk to somebody there, too. Uh, but for now, Professor Green and Jessica Taplin of British Gas, the Energy Trust Chief Executive, thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much thank for having us. Thank you very us. much. Bye-bye. I'm joined now by the Head of Community Engagement here at the Litchfield Garrick, John McLean. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Now, when we're not seeing you on stage and you're not involved in 101 other projects, you're busy <laughs> working away here. And there's been some amazing stuff this year. I mean, the community uh, show earlier on in the year, that looked fantastic. And you've got so much going on. You're a very busy man. Uh, yes, yeah. So we've just had Win in the Willows, our community musical, which thankfully was a wonderful success. And we are just in the process now of having launched our new Young Garrick membership, which is a whole new initiative. It's the year, in some ways it's the year of the young person. It's a good time to be between the ages of 14 to 25 here in Litchfield and sort of surrounding areas, as we have a brand new free membership that entitles young people to a whole load of different perks and exciting activities to get involved with. It's about getting them interested in theatre and not only have you got obviously the, the community groups that use the theatre as part of their Amdram productions and there's youth groups there too but also the, it's, it's getting them along to see shows and get them interested in what's going on. Panto is obviously a bit of a, a starting point but there's so much more that they can enjoy too. Absolutely so this year we are releasing for the first time as part of that membership uh, £5 discounted tickets on select shows so directors picks in the young people can get £5 tickets for that with their membership as well as hosting a couple of we're calling them sort of theatre trips which is an invitation for a number of young people to come along and see a theatre show of our choosing as a group so essentially having a little little class trip to share share some time with people with the same interests and enjoy their love of theatre have the chance to chat about it afterwards but yes, so people, young people, we recognise money can sometimes be a bit of a barrier for a young person. Um, but everyone has access to different amounts of funds. So we've tried as much as possible with our Young Garrett membership to keep all of our activities either free or five pounds. And, and that way, I mean, you can uh, start a conversation. As you said, groups coming together and having a chat about a show. I mean, that is really the, the start of getting to grips with the arts and there's so much out there and, and that's the great thing polarizing opinion in every single show you go and see there, but there is something for everybody absolutely i think the the big secret to kind of getting people into the arts it sounds obvious but just 
enjoying an experience with it. I've seen so many people's experience, and you know, it works for some people that their first thing they do is drama at school or a school play or that kind of thing. But I think it's we're keen to take as many barriers out of the way for young people to come in and discover that theatre has something for them. You know, for some people, that'll be discovering that they love participating in it, they love performing or that kind of thing. Other people might just find they have a real love of being in that theatre, feeling the buzz of a show about to begin. And other people might find that they enjoy just learning new skills. So we've got five pound workshops as well. We've got one coming up on acrobatics. We've got stage combat, um, a whole host of different activities. We're keen to show young people as much of the world of theatre as possible. And it's just the technical side as well. They don't actually have to be seen, but they can have what they do heard. Absolutely. I think te the backstage technical world is a world that so often gets kind of ignored or you just never really get the full flavour of. And so we're really excited as well in that we are offering free places for backstage tours for young people. You can either join on to one of our standard backstage tours with a free place or you can come to a young Garrick specific where we sort of talk a little bit more about some of the things that might be relevant to young people specifically and they can come and see how everything works, see all of the lights in action and generally just get a real flavour of what the literal Garrick is behind the scenes as well. And there's so many opportunities in theatre and it can be really you know, partly character building, it helps people in, in other areas of their life and, and that's why we so many people who are in amateur dramatic groups uh, do so well in, in everything else that they do because they've got that experience of you know, be, becoming somebody else for you know, a, a week every June. <laughs> Absolutely, I think yeah, taking part in the arts, it can offer confidence, it's resilience, it offers yeah, the chance to just live a different life for a little bit, which is such an exciting thing, as well as just the chance to get a better understanding of yourself, I think. Um, the chance to self-reflect, it offers something, and also just a chance to run around to play mad drama <laughs> games or do exciting things. How often do you get to have a sword fight with somebody outside, well, legally, anyway? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think there's... It has so much to offer and young people, I think the world seems to be becoming ever increasingly closed off in so many doors, getting feeling like they're getting slammed in young people's faces. We're keen to just at least open a few more in this building. Well, obviously it's great opportunities and they can find out more by signing up and as you said, it's signing up is absolutely free. Uh, yes, so the membership is completely free. It's dead easy to sign up. All you need to do is go to our website, so www.litchfieldgarrick.com. Uh, on our Get Involved tab, there's a Young Garrick membership page. The membership sign-in for sign-up form asks for name, an email address, a parent or guardian's name if you're under if you're under 18 and then you're golden. You've got that membership and you can start having a look at what we've got on offer. And then you'll be you know, a part of a newsletter as well and uh, that sort of releases will let you know what's going on. And getting people involved, they say that's the involvement, isn't it? And there's no need to be shy. If you are shy, you'll be able to help people work through that, won't you? Absolutely. Well, we, everything we do is designed so that anybody can enjoy it. We're a big, big kind of fan of inclusivity. We try really, really hard, whether that's kind of for the access needs or equally just someone who's a bit shy, isn't about to sort of walk into a room and feel like they own it. Mm -hmm. And also, you get very, very confident people who can still feel like they're trespassing a bit when they first go into a theatre if that's not been a part of their life before. We are keen to welcome everybody and make sure that they have as much of a place and a stake in the theatre as anybody else. And I think one of the best bits is, I mean, you, your community engagement down here, but you are a professional performer as well. So, you know, people will have seen you on stage potentially, not only in this building, but many more. <laughs> and, and it means you get it as well as everyone else gets it too. 
Absolutely. I think there one thing we champion massively is, you know, we're very inclusive, but what we also bring to the table is access to theatre professionals. Almost all of our workshops, all of our projects, we always bring the most qualified, the most professional, kind of talented creatives we can to essentially create that supportive bubble for young people to kind of explore new disciplines, explore themselves and do that in a safe, comfortable environment with people who really understand the ins and outs and, work and inner workings of the creative industry. Always the initial Garrick.com to find out more and get yourself involved and have some great times down here at the initial Garrick. Johnny, thank you. It'd be great to have you here. <laughs> <laughs>